This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Here's Dr. History. <laughs> Good morning again. Beautiful day. Oh, nice out there. Warm, yeah. warm, warm. Yeah, the warm. grain, they're starting to carve, uh, thrash the grain, you know. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful crops. And uh, you have some people that you wanted to say hello to. You know, I want to say to uh, hello to one of our listeners, Mrs. Draper, 91 years old. And she listens to our show every week. And so, Mrs. Draper, I hope to meet you and uh, shake your hand. And uh, I hope you continue to enjoy the show. Well, isn't that... Has she called you? No, I talked to her daughter-in-law. Wonderful. So I'm going to hopefully meet her and have You're a You're going to take visit. over a dozen roses and a pint of ice cream, right? <laughs> and pie. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah. What are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about a guy that... Okay, I'm going to throw it out here. Have you ever heard of a guy named Dave Tucker? No, you no. haven't. <laughs> no. I'll be surprised if anybody has. Okay. So, now, uh, so this took place over uh, in northeast Oregon, and not very far across the Idaho border. Northeast Oregon. Yep. Okay. Just kind of over towards Pendleton. And Up there by Joseph? Yeah, exactly. Joseph. Really? Is, yes. We're, that's what we're going to talk about. Oh, that's a beautiful part of the state. Oh, okay. okay. We're going to talk. You'll know exactly where we're okay. at. Okay. So, anyway, Dave Tucker, he's our main man on this uh, uh, story. He was an upstanding citizen in northeast Oregon uh, ranching community of Joseph. That's oh, where he was. And. And so here's the question. How could the vice president of the Joseph State Bank be anything else? Okay. Before that, he was a respected businessman, rancher, and farmer. And before that, he had worked tending and shearing sheep until he earned enough money to start his own sheep and cattle business. So what more respectable of a background could a man be raised in, in the wild of Wallowa County? I mean, there you go. There, what a outstanding individual, well, right? Well, I'm telling you, he should have been the chamberman of the year. Well, then we're going to go back a few years. Ah. So, now, if you were to have walked into the Joseph State Bank to do business with Mr. Tucker, you would have found him to be honest and forthright, a pleasure to work with. But when you shook his hand to seal the deal, you would probably notice that his trigger finger was missing. His Trigger finger. That's because you don't mean. That's because Dave Tucker had gone respectable. He'd been a bank robber whose finger had been blown off during a getaway shootout. The bank he robbed 32 years earlier in 1896 was the very one which he had just been made vice president. Wait, stop the bus for a minute. You're going too fast for me and the lady that loves to listen to you. You mean this guy robbed this bank? And then 32 years later, he ends up being the hierarchy of the exactly. bank? So we'll go He's right. got connections. We'll go right back, okay? So, Wallowa County, the late 1800s, was a lot different from the one Tucker lives in now, or did. His family came from the Wallowa Valley in 1877, and Dave was one of several boys in a large family of brothers and sisters. His father, a veteran of the Civil War, 
uh, settled his family on a homestead along what they call Prairie Creek. Mm-hmm. You're familiar with that? I am. Okay. So this was wild country in those days with lots of uh, wilderness and few roads, farming, cattle and sheep ranching, timbering were the main occupations. And the setting and the landscape were uh, pretty much just like they are today. Yeah. There's not been that much change That's if right. you drive across That's there. Right. But, you know, the jagged peaks of the Wallowa Mountains, the Wallowa Valley, I guess it's just a absolutely it is beautiful, beautiful up there. so a great place to start a ranching operation. Yep. Well, Dave Tucker attended school for a short time and regularly worked with his dad on the ranch. And when his dad could spare him, he worked for another rancher, herding and shearing sheep. And when he sheared sheep, it was said that he carried with him a Bible that was given to him by a former schoolmate and a sweetheart by the name of Minnie, whom he would later marry. Oh, sounds like a great guy. It is. This could be a movie. Yeah. All right? So some Some contemporaries have written that the Tucker boys could be what you could say a little bit of trouble. Now, you know, just let your imagination go there. Dave had a little trouble early on when he was charged with stealing a calf, a charge he vigorously denied but got sentenced to a year at the Oregon State Penitentiary. So a young man, in still in his teens, but out of prison, he was mad, he was bitter, he was resentful, uh, gave him a poor attitude towards life. But nevertheless, when he got out of jail, he went back to working in the sheep camps for these other guys. Well, now let's move ahead a little bit. Summer of 1896, Tucker was now 25 years old. A couple of drifters wandered into the Wallowa Valley from Idaho. These, these guys was named, one was James Brown, the other one was Cyrus Fitchew. Never trust a guy by the name of Cyrus. Or Was, wasn't the guy in that movie that was uh, in that cage? They didn't trust him because he'd eat and kill people. Cyrus, <laughs> I don't Cyrus know the virus. Uh, yeah, I don't remember that I'm one. Telling you. Okay, so keep in mind, Brown and Fitzhugh. Yeah. Two bad guys drifted into the area. Well, after visiting for a short time, the men took jobs in a local sheep camp, and this is probably where they met Dave Tucker. Okay, so now there's three of these guys. Dave Tucker, who's kind of been in trouble. These other two guys that are definitely trouble. All right. Now, somewhere during the course of their long hours of work, and Fitzhugh suggested that they rob the first bank of Joseph. Just offhandedly. Yeah. Hey, why don't we go do this? Yeah. Fitzhugh claimed he had to have experiences this in doing this sort of thing, and he said he'd robbed a payroll in Montana, but he also lied about some other things. He said he'd been a part of the McCarty gang that held up the bank in Enterprise in 1891. Basically a liar, okay? Tucker felt he had to score to settle with society, so he told Fitzhugh and Brown to count him in on robbing the bank. Dumb. Yeah. Okay, so here we are, 1896. The town of Joseph had only been an official town with a post office for about 16 years. Uh-huh. So it was still very much just growing. Yeah. But it was a typical remote frontier community of the day. It had a handful of buildings, including, of course, a bank and several saloons. And uh, even in such a small ranch town, robbing a bank would require a little bit of advanced planning. Uh-huh. So the three men began to meet in a saloon owned by a guy named John Martin. And John Martin had a bartender by the name of Owenby. Okay, so now we've got two more guys, Martin and Owenby. Okay, so they're, they're in the bar. They uh, Somehow they got Martin and Owenby to join with them to rob the bank. Oh, they got five now. Now they've got five. So it's hard to say why the other two men joined, because Martin, 
the saloon owner was actually a successful, well-known businessman in town, and business was supposed to be good. Owen B., the other guy, actually uh, had been a deputy sheriff at one time, and he had a wife and three children. So why in the world they would want to join with these three renegades? Well, tell us, tell us. Okay. (laughs) So finally, after a lot of... uh, meetings around a bottle of beer and glasses of whiskey. The plan- you see what that'll do to you. It will. I, Have a beer and rob a bank. Yeah, so they were ready for the for the execution of their plan. It was set for October 1st, 1896. They estimated they would take off with about $6,000, which was a pretty good sum, assuming that the bank would be holding cash brought in by ranchers from the sale of their season's lamb crop. So, you know, they'd sold their crop and the bank uh, got the money. So, as the date approached, Owen B., the guy with the wife and three kids, he started kind of getting cold feet. Yeah. He's thinking, you know, I've got a wife he got, he and got kids, yeah. and, and he kind of started sympathizing with the ringleader, Fitzhugh, and, but Fitzhugh basically said, you know what, you're in this, if you decide you're not in this, you may not live to see another day. Ooh. So, uh, that was kind of the way things are heading out right now. Yeah. So... So reports say that October 1st, 1896, uh, it was a nice, warm autumn day, clear blue sky. Now, inside the bank was a guy by the name of J.D. McCulley. Now, he was a cashier at the bank and a clerk at a store across the street. Now, picture this. Okay, store across the street, bank, uh, you know, opposite. Okay. okay. So he was a clerk at the store, but he also helped run the bank. So uh, what did he do, run across the street yeah, all day long? He did, yes. Yeah. Uh, he'd been dividing his time between the two businesses all day long. Uh, he'd locked the door of the bank when he left. Uh, and unknown to him, that afternoon, Dave Tucker was just kind of hanging around in the street outside the bank, just kind of watching, kind of waiting for McCulley to come back to the bank and open the doors. I see. So about 2.30 in the afternoon, McCulley came across from the store, unlocked the bank door so he could attend to some customers. He probably just watched, you know, people show up he'd just go over and help him out sure so that was just what tucker had been waiting for he walked across the street and then back again at a predetermined signal for fitzhugh and brown the two bad guys oh yeah they were mounted on their horses and they were watching from a distance down the street they saw that the bank doors were open look out here we go the bank was ripe for robin so fitzhugh and brown rode down the street jumped off their horses tied them to a hitching post ran into the bank with the six shooters in their hands they wore bandana masks and put black soot on their face to try to disguise them, which, you know, usually never worked anyway. But no. anyway, one of them had a shotgun. Inside, the cashier, McCulley, uh, they found four bank customers, three women and a man, who, and they didn't have any weapons. So here we have McCulley, the bank guy, four customers, and uh, Brown and Fitzhugh. Yeah. Okay. So McCulley was in the bank vault when the outlaws came in. And they were so quiet, he didn't hear them. And when he came out, uh, he just thought they were kidding around until they started pointing their guns at this guy. That's not kidding around. No. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. 
State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. They said, throw up your hands, and one of the masked men ordered, and he said, again, McCulley still thought it was kind of a joke, but uh, his first reaction was to laugh. He thought, you know, this, he laughed? Yeah, this isn't really happening. Uh-huh. But as he got a little better look at the guns and the disguised uh, grim faces of the guys, realized this was a bank robbery. It was for real. It was for real. Yeah. Well, so outside, Tucker stood at the bank entrance with his revolver drawn, and he would stop anybody that was passing by and ask them, uh, say, you know, don't run, don't sound the alarm. So you got this. He's outside stopping people. And these were his neighbors. Yes. Yeah. So now Owen B., the guy, the wife and three kids, uh, he was with Dave Tucker standing oh, outside. But he didn't have a gun. He didn't have anything. So uh, the saloon owner, John Martin, he just disappeared. We don't know what happened. He's gone. He's gone. Yeah. He left the gang. Yeah. So... Before long, Tucker and Ownby had kind of a small crowd held hostage in front of the bank. Really? <laughs> now, that's not going to attract attention, right? Uh, no, no, not really, unless yeah. the CBS News crew shows up. <laughs> so inside, the bad guys, Fitchu and Brown, were stuffing cash and gold into a sack, threatening McCulley with death if he tried anything funny. Well, in about ten minutes, the two robbers had found all the cash and the gold they could get. And actually, instead of 6000 it was only 2000 which, you know, that's not a bad payday. And you say they were in the bank about 10 minutes? Yeah. That's a long time. It is, to yeah. be gathering all that up. Yeah. So they moved toward the door, and they actually used McCulley as a shield. Well, once outside, the bandits got something they hadn't uh, factored in, a shootout. Oh, so here we go. My, here we go. Now, despite Tucker and Owenby's efforts to keep a lid on the robbery in progress, the unusual situation of a crowd standing around in front of the bank obviously was arousing suspicion among the townspeople. Yeah, think. I mean, the people around are looking. Hey, wait a minute. There's two guys, a guy with a gun, and some people in. A, yeah. What was your first clue? Yeah. So one man who quickly figured out what was going on was a rancher, and standing behind his wagon in front of the McCulley store, which is just across the street. He picked up his uh, Winchester rifle and waited for the outlaws to show themselves outside the bank. As they came out the door, he started shooting. Another man started shooting from an upstairs window of a nearby building. Things were not looking good for the robbers. So this robbery is about ready to go amok. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh-huh. Now, McCulley, the bank guy, he dived to the ground amid all the bullets ricocheting all around him. So Brown, the bad guy, he was hit before he even got off the steps of the bank. Really? Kill him? Uh, fell backwards, landed in a sitting position with his head and shoulders propped against the bank wall, dead. Yeah. All right. Now, bullets were still flying around. The other bad guy, Fitchu, and Tucker, of course, they were kind of in a little bit of a shock, a little confusion going well, on. Well, can you imagine? <laughs> so they started just shooting wildly, just, but they didn't hit anybody. They just, just started shooting. Yeah. So Brown, who was dead, had been carrying the bag of gold, the cash, and it now lay by his body in the path of the gunfire. So Fitchu, the other bad guy, without hesitation, he... 
grabbed the treasure, uh, still shooting his six-shooter, dodging bullets uh, meant for him. He ran to his horse. Now, at this point, the town blacksmith tried to grab the horse away from the outlaw. But Fitzhugh knocked him aside, and holding on the saddle horn, Fitzhugh hung on to his horse, which this has got to be kind of funny. The horse was bucking up and down as it took off. You know how some horses will do. Well, yeah, I've yeah. been there, done that. Yeah, yeah. And so, but he managed to get in the saddle, reined his horse to the east, and sped out of town with a sack of loot slung over his shoulder. Well, on his way, uh, he encountered a man walking down the street, a southerner who had fought in the Civil War on the side of the Confederates. Well, Fitzhugh shot at his feet to scare him, but it just made the man uh, uncharacter- uncharacteristically mad. That well, he was can you shot imagine? At. How could anybody <laughs> ever get mad if you had your feet shot at? <laughs> well, and then he yelled to this guy he says, uh, as he's leaving, he says, uh, tell those people back there they can put their hands down now. <laughs> You're kidding. Well, meanwhile, okay, back at the corner of the bank. Yeah, back to Tucker. Yeah, so okay. things were still pretty hot. Dave Tucker had taken a bullet in his right hand causing his gun to go flying and hopelessly mangled his right index finger, the oh, one that was missing. Yeah. So unarmed and bleeding, Dave Tucker ran, okay? Not on his horse. He just ran. Uh, so then from the out uh, post office came a local resident with his shotgun. Shotgun? He fired at Tucker as he was running, and pellets caught him on the backside. Well, Tucker kept going and staggered, but the crowd finally caught up with him. He only got a couple of blocks. I mean, how far can you go with no finger and buckshot in your derriere? Are you asking me? I've never had the <laughs> the uh, the uh, the opportunity. The opportunity, yeah. Okay. Well, so anyway, bartender uh, Owen B, the guy with the wife and three kids, he yeah. kind of slipped off, uh, didn't get hurt uh, in the confusion. He just got away. Well, he and John Martin, the saloon owner, were arrested when Tucker confessed to the crime, and he said, yeah, these two guys were in on it. Well, Fitzhugh, the other guy... No, wait a minute, wait a minute. Fitzhugh's the guy that got away on the horse. He got away. He could not be found. It's been speculated that he stayed briefly at a friend's ranch near the uh, Imnaha River and then crossed the Snake River into Idaho. Oh, so, anyway, April 21st, 1897, Dave Tucker received a seven-year prison sentence at the Oregon State Penitentiary for his role in the robbery. Owen B., the guy with the wife, got a really a lenient penalty because he wasn't armed, he didn't have a gun, and he very less active in the role of robbing. But, yeah, he, uh, so he still had to serve some time. I see. Martin, John Martin, actually hired a Union County lawyer named... Carol for several hundred dollars, and he was acquitted. Really? So, so he got off? Yeah, he got totally off. Okay. And now James Brown, the guy that was dead, obviously. He was off, too. He, he was off, too. He, he's resting comfortably in what they call the Hurricane Creek Cemetery. There you go. Which I assume is by Joseph. But what about Fitzhugh? Okay. Don't leave me hanging. Cyrus Fitzhugh and the $2,000 I told you you cash. can't trust the guy named Cyrus. <laughs> Never located. Never located. No. No. So Fred Wagner received a gold watch from the First Bank of Joseph for his role in shooting at Tucker. But uh, while in prison, Tucker had a lot of time to mull over his mistakes. Yeah. He was determined to use his time uh, wisely. He dropped the tough attitude, eventually become a model prisoner and a trustee. He was actually released after four and a half years for good behavior. He returned to his home in Wallowick Valley to try to rebuild his life. Now, that takes guts. Yeah, to go I was going to say right there, to go home to where he caused the problem, that, that was something. Yeah. Wow. Well, 
Okay, so you got to hand it to him. He started working once again for a sheep grower. Yeah. In a few years, he saved up enough for a grub stake to buy a small number of lambs that he eventually uh, got a herd of sheep uh-huh. and a 1,200-acre ranch. Wow. He married this childhood sweetheart, Minnie, that I mentioned earlier. Um, his fortunes grew. His business prospered. He became known for his kindness and generosity that he showed to his neighbors. It was said, quote, no one ever came to Dave Tucker for help that didn't get it. What a turnaround. Wow. He hired those who needed work and gave a few bucks to those who were broke or in bad way. He had literally transformed his life. So this full and remarkable circle was completed in 1928 when Dave Tucker was elected vice president of the Joseph State Bank. You're kidding the bank me. that he had robbed wow. for $2,000 Three, year, uh, three decades before. Wow. So, anyway. You know, I've got some questions there. Okay, let me just finish. And I'm, I'm, oh, I thought you were done. I, almost. Okay. <laughs> anyway, years later, sitting in his bank office, Tucker must have uh, sometimes kind of looked around, you know, at that and thought about that beautiful day back in 1896 and wondered how he'd ever come to be standing before the bank door with a revolver in his hand. Yeah. And he might wonder, you know, what became of Cyrus Fitzhugh and the $2,000. And maybe he recalled with a little anger, a little bitterness, that Fitzhugh got away. They never found him, and they never found the loot, and also that he was missing a finger. Yeah. But all these years later, Dave Tucker and not Cyrus Fitzhugh ended up with the real treasure being a good reputation. Holy cow. Uh, loved and honored by the people of the community. Do a little research for me. We've got a quick call. We're going to take that in just a minute. But do a little research for me. While you were telling that story, it dawned on me about Joseph Oregon, and they have a PRCA rodeo up there, a good one. And I think, if memory serves me correct, they have the Harley Tucker Memorial. And I believe that Harley Tucker was a direct descendant of this Tucker that you're talking well, about. Well, you know, he, he was still alive in 1928. Yeah, I know. Went, yeah. So I'm wondering well. if that couldn't be the same family. I will see what I can Check find. on that yeah, for me. That Caller, good. good morning. Quickly, we got one minute left. Go ahead. Yeah, good morning. I wonder if there's going to be a place for a retired car dealer. Um, I I would tell you where that place is, but it sounds tacky on the radio. (laughs) What I really called about was, I am really fascinated by Diamond Field Jack. Have you ever done that show? And if you haven't, would you? I have, and let me just tell you, there's a book out by a Mr., I think Max Black. And that is the best book I have ever read on Diamond Field. And I know that you can get it over in Rupert. I just saw it yesterday in a store just down from Doc's uh, I got it. Pizza. I've got it right here. Yeah, if you I've want to buy it right here. if you want to buy the book, it's in that uh, place where they make signs yep. and uh, T-shirts and everything. Uh, just slip over there. It's just a few doors down from Doc's Pizza. And they have that book there. Uh, Max Black, a longtime Idahoan, former state legislator and insurance agent, he spent years on this book. That is a great book on, it is. on Diamondville. I get to run. Keith, thank you for your call. Thank you. Would you really check on that for me? Because all of a sudden, when you mentioned that name Tucker, and it kept eating at me for a few minutes while you were doing that story, and Joseph Oregon, I believe, has the Harley Tucker Memorial, and uh, I believe that he's a son 
of this Tucker that you're talking about. He's, he's got to be. Yeah. You check that. I will, definitely. Wow. See, you did it again. And uh, next week you're going to bring roses and ice cream here, too. Uh, you betcha. No, like, just like I always do. <laughs> You liar, you. <laughs> anyway, Dr. History, God bless you. Thank you so much. You bet. You have a good day. I always enjoy having you on the program. Interesting story this morning. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.